1: This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live audio only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D E E. It's uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D E E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, seven o'clock Central, eight o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club Thirty Four Seven. What's up, guys? Back for the first preview for our uh, beloveds matchup with the New York Giants. However what uh, we're not going to be focusing on the giants in this particular episode. We're going to focus on our bears and uh, talk more about our, our our relevant near future uh, as in who the possible replacements for Matt Nagy could be. Uh, Unfortunately, our friend Ryan Dunleavy from the New York post was not available uh, this week. And I figured rather than uh, scrambling around to try to find another uh, giants uh, guy to fill his, uh, to fill the void, I figured we'd uh, talk about the Bears and the, uh, and the head coaching prospects that are out there. Uh, so we brought in our good friend Eric Lambert from sportsmockery.com to kind of go over uh, a short list of, of guys that he likes and uh, that he thinks the Bears should interview when uh, when the time comes, most likely at the end of the season now, since Mag- Nagy is still, uh, is still on the job. So uh, we won't be taking advantage of that uh, window. Uh, to go into the uh, end of the season here but um, you know it's uh, so I feel like that's far more relevant than talking about uh, you know the Bears matching up with the Giants uh, on Sunday we will do the deep dive uh, tomorrow and uh, you know break down the matchups and keys to the game and uh, uh, and what have you uh, for sure we'll still do that but uh, as far as you know uh, having a beat writer on the show to kind of give us the tale of the tape with the Giants and what's been going on with them this year as intriguing as that information would uh would be especially with the Giants having a less successful season than the Bears are currently spiraling in uh, at the moment the Giants are four and 11 I think we're actually going to be favored this week uh, against the Giants believe it or not but uh you know in our home finale and uh, all that kind of stuff will we have Justin Fields back, or will it be the Nick Foles show again, or, or God forbid, will 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 uh, Nagy have to choose between uh, Dalton or Foles if uh, if uh, Fields is out for another week with the ankle injury? Would wouldn't that be a conundrum for him to have to choose between those two guys uh, who he both hand picked to bring into this organization? So um, anyway. We're, uh, we're, we're going to have Eric Lambert on the show. We're going to talk head coaching uh, candidates and uh, everything. But uh, before we do that, um, I just wanted to take a moment and, and pay homage to a, a guest and a friend uh, of the show. Uh, it's been a while since I had him on, um, but um, he was one of the, he was like, in my opinion, the first big guest that I landed uh, on the show when I first started doing interviews back in 2015, uh, and that is Jeff Dickerson. Uh, he was, um, the bears, uh, beat writer for ESPN. I think NFL nation was the, like officially the site that he was, uh, writing for. He worked for ESPN thousand and 1000 in Chicago for years, still does. Um, and we learned today that, uh, he passed away from, uh, cancer, which is just, just brutal, man. I mean, especially for, for him, you know, personally having just lost his wife two years ago to cancer and their, their poor son, uh, Parker is his name. Um, losing both parents in a span of two years before your 12th birthday. I mean, just, just a heartbreaking, uh, situation. Uh, JD was a great guy. Uh, he was very gracious. Like I said, I had him on the show, uh, more than once. He was my, before I had Lauren Cox, he was my Lauren Cox. Anytime that I wanted to do a show uh, about the bears or, you know, do like a mid season review type thing. JD was my guest for the first couple of years. Um, and it was actually, uh, JD not being able to do the show one time that led to me reaching out to, uh, Lauren Cox and, and having him on the show, Uh, ever since. So, um, you know, even in his absence, J.D. led me to something good. And uh, the first time that I had him on the show was, I believe, around, was the summer of 2015 when I was doing opponent previews and we were talking about the Bears. And and 2015 was the year that we hired John Fox and Ryan Pace and, 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 you know, what what we were looking forward to. We had a brutal schedule uh, in 2015, like three playoff teams right off the bat, like Seattle, Arizona Green Bay were the first three games uh, of the season and uh, you know it was just like wow that's just gonna be the defending NFC champion uh, you know one of the better teams in the NFC as well and of course our most hated rival in Green Bay starting to schedule so we're looking at 0 and 3 and maybe we'll get a win over the Raiders in week 4 kind of thing and uh, JD talking me through that and you know bringing back Jay Cutler and uh, and all that kind of stuff. When we got off the um, off the interview, um, I was still getting my feet underneath me as far as doing that. And um, so I asked him, with all my insecurities, uh, how he thought I did. And uh, he was very complimentary. And uh, it gave me the confidence from a certified professional like him to... Keep going with this. Because I wasn't really sure if I if I liked doing this. I certainly liked the information that I was getting and I, I certainly liked the rapport of the, the of the couple of guests that I'd had on the show at that point. I hadn't quite uh it wasn't like my heroine like it is now when it comes to podcasts. I love talking to people from different teams and, and things like that. I I skew more towards podcasters and such because they are are more passionate bunch uh like me as opposed to beat writers who are inherently a bit more uh biased and um and whatnot. But JD was from the Chicagoland area and I, I had an awesome awesome tidbit in, in our first show was that uh you know when I was reading up on J D leading up to our interview I read that he was uh class of ninety six from Buffalo Grove High School. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm class of 96 from Evanston High School, and we just so happened to play Buffalo Grove my senior year in football. Did I play football against Jeff Dickerson? And because I'm a pack rat who saves everything, I wouldn't call myself a hoarder. I can actually walk around. I have space in my home, but I save stuff. And we used to have scouting reports back in the day, and those scouting reports had the, uh, the roster of the Buffalo Grove Bison that we played uh, week one in the 1995 season, and sure enough, Jeff Dickerson was on that team. So Jeff Dickerson came to Evanston Memorial Stadium, played against my Wild Kits, and uh, one of the, oh, God, it was brutally hot out there where they had, like, mandated water breaks. That's how bad it was. We basically got an extra time out to, to have a water break, in every quarter, I believe it was, but, um, brutally hot. And, uh, we took Buffalo Grove to the woodshed. We whooped them 35 to seven, uh, in that one. So, um, had a fun little back and forth with Jeff about that. If I can find the clip, I will include it in, uh, in tomorrow's episode, just as a, uh, maybe like a palate cleanser, um, pay tribute to, uh, Jeff and the, uh, great guy that he was. And, um, you know, just a brutal, brutal uh, situation. My heart goes out to his family, goes out to his son, uh, Parker. I mean, I'm I'm only a few months away from turning 44 myself, so that's what's kind of you know, it really shakes you to your core a little bit that somebody that you're the same age as to you know could pass away like that. And um, but I, I just I'm 44 in a few months, and I can't imagine losing my parents now let alone losing them both by the time I was 11. I just, oh, my heart goes out to that kid. But one of the byproducts of uh, being a good person and being revered and loved the way that uh, Jeff is, that there will be no shortage of people that will step up to be there for him out of love and respect for his dad. So, um, you know, his dad will always be there for him through his friends, and uh, that's a beautiful thing. So, anyway, sorry to bring it down. Um, just felt a a personal angle on this one, having had Jeff on the show, having had him be one of the first big guests that I was able to land, and uh, him and his graciousness, giving me the confidence to become the salty old pro at uh, interviewing and, and having guests on the show the way that I am uh, you know six seasons seven seasons later so thank you Jeff rest in peace and uh, with that let's go ahead and get started this is the uh, week 17 preview episode of the Bears talk underground so let's get to it Hang up Number 17, usually the finale of uh regular season, but thanks to the extra game added to the schedule, it's just the penultimate game uh, of the season. And, um, you know, with with the Bears in the spot that they're in and, uh, you know, fate being what it is, wasn't able to get our Giants beat writer guy back on the show. I figure we talk about something a little bit more relevant to the Bears and, as opposed to trying to find another uh, Giants guest and our, our good friend Eric Lambert from sportsmockery.com was good enough to come out of the bullpen and, and save us on this one. I figured we'd talk to Eric about some possible head coaching candidates, which is something that we'll probably be talking about even more heavily in the next couple of weeks. Eric, uh, happy holidays, man. Thanks for coming back on the show. Happy
0: holidays, Larry.
1: Thanks for having me. So, Eric, let, let's talk about, uh, you know, our beloved Chicago Bears and their current – coaching situation it just seems like every time the Bears plan on possibly letting Matt Nagy go they pull a win out of their ass and save his job for the for the weekend uh you know (laughs) because we were supposed to fire him uh leading up to Thanksgiving or right after Thanksgiving the Lions game was supposed to be it and you know it takes 59 minutes and 59 seconds for us to take the lead in in that one and, and win it and then uh you know the Bears bungled that situation so badly that it was like Can they still fire him even if they lose? Just how badly they did that whole thing. And then fast forward to this past weekend, uh, you know, you and and other uh, you know sources were saying that if, if he loses on Sunday to the Seahawks, he could be gone because of that new window to talk to coaching candidates that opens this week. I mean, it's been such a crazy year, and the writing's been on the wall for Nagy to probably be gone at the end of the season since what, like the Cleveland game and... You know, I mean, it's it's finally coming to a head now. So having this conversation about who could possibly take its place, his place is, uh, you know, about as, uh, you know, more relevant than talking about whether or not uh, the Bears are going to be able to slow down, uh, you know, Mike Glennon and Saquon Barkley on Sunday.
0: Right. You know, the, the whole head coach conversation was going to be inevitable as the season unfolded. You know, he started losing games. He couldn't get, you know, close wins, you know, the heartbreakers against Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I mean, there were some winnable games in there where he might've been able to, you know, sort of settle the situation, but it just kept going against him. The offense continues to struggle. It's just much of the same stuff we saw last year, except it's been magnified, you know, even more now. So The whole situation, the way I understand it is, Nagy is pretty much 99.9% gone. The reason most likely that the Bears haven't fired him yet is a combination of they've never done it before, they've never fired a head coach midseason, and if it didn't happen to Mark Trestman, it probably wasn't going to happen to Matt Nagy. And then there's also the fact that they might be making a change higher up the chain with GM Ryan Pace, and if they're going to do that, you need to find a GM first before you find a head coach. So that situation needs to sort itself out before they start thinking about, you know, which head coach they're going to hire. But in the meantime, the way I understand it is they've been researching both in case, you know, determining what George McCaskey wants to do once the time comes to make a decision. So
1: how real is the conversation about, you know, having a football czar, about head of football operations to uh, send O.T.A.D. Ted out to pasture so he can focus on the stadium build and things like that, as opposed to, you know, also being the head of the next uh, hiring cycle where we pick the wrong guy again.
0: Um, As far as I understand, I don't know if the bears are going to have like an actual president of football operations, but I do believe that there is a strong possibility that Ted Phillips will step away from the football operations. He'll be less involved with head coaching hires, GM hires, and he'll be focusing on the business side of things. So it's pretty much going to be George McCaskey's show. And he's going to get as much advice as he can from relevant football people, you know, proven football people to try and make the best decision he can to get the right people in charge.
1: Well, let's hope that uh, that's true because uh, you know, today the, uh, the news that comes out that that Ryan Pace and and John Fox were a forced marriage I think we all knew that that was kind yeah. of been rumbling from the beginning but I think it's it's more shocking to find out the guy that he wanted to hire or had a handshake agreement with was actually Dan Quinn who was the at the time the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks and and uh, ended up be taking the Falcons to the Super Bowl a year later in 2016 when the Bears so gloriously went 3 and 13 under the forced
0: marriage of John Fox. Right. And Dan Quinn was my personal choice. I was a big fan of his. I thought he'd done a tremendous job with that Seahawks defense. You know, he, he I felt he really fit the mentality of Chicago. He would have been a great fit with the defensive mentality and, you know, his ability to mold his players into a great system that fit their strengths and, you know, unfortunately the bears ran into a problem where they, they would have to wait for them something they haven't traditionally done. And then to, to make things worse, John Fox became available and Ernie, acorsi who was advising them is a good friends with Fox and made the recommendation that you have a young GM, the youngest in the league. And you think the veteran coach might be able to help him, you know, settle into his job. And so, you know, that's what McCaskey and Phillips seem to insist. And, obviously Pace not being the most combative personality and, you know, not wanting to rock the boat. So soon after getting his job, you know, he signed off on it.
1: Yeah. Which, which kind of makes you wish that we had hired Chris Ballard. Cause I'm sure that he yeah. would have, he would have gone to bat for his guy as opposed to just rolling over and, and letting John Fox come in. Now I, I admit, uh, you know, I'm guilty of being excited about the John Fox hire because I wanted actually after a, a string of first-time coaches. I wanted somebody who had done the job before, you know, somebody with some experience. And, you know, John sure. Fox had taken two different teams to the Super Bowl. Granted, he lost both games, but this was a guy that had taken two struggling programs to the Super Bowl, and he was also the wizard that took Tim Tebow to the playoffs. So, yeah. uh, you know, I figured it was a it was a good thing, and he was also kind of a hard-nosed guy. It's like, unfortunately – We caught John Fox about five years too late because the game had passed him by by the time he got to Chicago.
0: It's true. You know, he was getting a he's getting a little bit older. You had to wonder if he was starting to lose his edge a little bit, which can happen, you know, after such a long grind with two different, you know, two different programs as you put it. You know, he did great in Carolina despite some quarterback deficiencies, and then he had an all-time quarterback in Denver, but unfortunately they ran into that Seahawks buzzsaw in right. two thousand and thirteen. So, you know, he had some great opportunities to get that Super Bowl ring, couldn't quite close the deal. I understand perfectly why the Bears went with him because of his proven track record. Record, but I, I was also concerned that he had just gone twelve and four with Denver and they still felt they needed to fire him, which was a red flag in my in my determination that they felt that something wasn't quite right with him at the time. So I understood why the Bears did it by but I had misgivings about it at the time because of the whole situation of why he left Denver.
1: Sure. Sure. I mean and, and I was just the guy that was looking as like well, you know, Denver took him right off the street the second that Carolina let him go, and he basically hit the ground running in in Denver. He made, I think, he made the playoffs even, you know, every year that he was in Denver, went to a Super Bowl and everything like that. And you know, this is a guy that knows how to get it done. And so we invite him in uh, in 2015, and the team was a bit more disciplined, won one more game than than Mark Trestman did before the bottom fell out in 2016, and it didn't get any better in mm-hmm. 2017. It was like the only thing that John Fox see, seemed to do right was hire Vic Fangio, talk him into coming to Chicago to help rebuild uh the defense into the unit that we know and love to well, I don't know how much we're loving it these days, but mm-hmm. you know, to the unit that uh, you know, he built before uh he ironically also went off to Denver to take his first uh head coaching job. So um For you know, sure. it was a, a weird uh situation. So so let's real quick before we dive into the the coaching candidates who was your guy when we hired Nagy? Was was Nagy even on the board for you? Because I think of, like, the five guys the Bears were talking to, Nagy was at the bottom of my list. I was a Pat Shermer guy because of what he had just mm-hmm. done. Uh, I forget where he was. Was he in? He was in Minnesota. And he had just polished the turd that was uh, – what's his name? For former first-round. Case round Keenum. Kid. Yeah, well, Case Keenum and also um,
0: – Oh, uh, uh, oh man, uh It was a guy in 2010, he was drafted. Yeah, Sam Bradford. Bradford, Bradford. Bradford. there you go. You know, made those guys into
1: playoff quarterbacks and damn near took them to a Super Bowl. Imagine what he could do with someone with actual talent in Trubisky, or at least so we thought. Uh, Anyway, that was my guy. Were, Were you on board with Shermer or did you have somebody else in mind?
0: Um, you know I, I, Nagy wasn't really on my radar to be perfectly honest I understood why they hired him because he would had success you know in Kansas City Kansas City was doing really well it was the Andy Reid tree and he'd had right. success developing coaches um, but he wasn't really on my radar Frank Reich was one guy on my radar uh, Matt Patricia the defensive coordinator in uh, <laughs> New England was another <laughs> one I have to admit I was a big fan of his but that turned out to be a disaster so you know kind of hit and miss I guess with my choices but you know when Nagy was hired I was a bit surprised but you know i i sort of got on board with it because i understood where where they were trying to go you know the offensive guy quarterback background i understood the idea behind it and i was fully supportive of it because he had a young quarterback but unfortunately while he does have the leadership traits that you look for there's a lot of other deficiencies in his coaching style that have sort of shown up over the past couple of years yeah, and
1: that was the unfortunate thing because I was not a fan of the hire. It was like, number one, we were the first team to hire a new head coach, and then we hired the guy at the bottom of my list. It's like, well, that's
0: just great. And yeah. it's like, I don't know to be anything perfectly about honest,
1: this guy. Yeah, go ahead.
0: To be perfectly honest, I actually wanted them to move on from Fox the year before yeah. in 2017. I wanted them to hire Kyle Shanahan. He oh, was my guy. Yeah. I wanted him so bad, I felt he was such a great offensive mind, I, and he was the son of a two-time Super Bowl winner. I felt he would be a great head coach because he understood how to do it from his father. I was like, man, if we could get him, I, I felt Trubisky would be a good fit, even though they had drafted him. But unfortunately, they, you know, they hung on to Fox despite the three and thirteen finish in two thousand sixteen, which I understand because you got to give him a third year to see if he can sort of get things, you know, on the right track. But at the same time, I'm like, there's no way Shanahan's going to be available in twenty eighteen, so. Yeah so you know that was my thing <laughs> so who's on who's on the list now
1: because uh you know and and more importantly for you know not to make fun of uh, of naggy but uh i think it's more important why this coach is you know for someone who always wants to find the whys and, and things like that why, <laughs> why why would this why would these guys be on uh the list other than possibly being the new hot coordinator that that is you know ready for his shot
0: Sure. Uh, well, I actually, it's funny. Somebody asked me on Twitter today to make my own list. And, you know, it, it, it's its kind of, you know, it kind of shifts from time to time because I, I, I keep researching guys, seeing which ones I like and whatnot. And, you know, my number one guy, well, I should be honest here. My number one guy is Sean Payton. If you can somehow oh, get yeah. him out of New Orleans, absolutely. oh my God, hire him, pay him whatever the hell he wants and get him to Chicago because he would be absolutely perfect for this team. But, you have to be realistic obviously he's probably not going to leave New Orleans so I'm just trying to you know keep with the realistic candidates and right now my number 1 is Josh McDaniels. Okay. You know I I understand the history, you know the whole Denver situation was an absolute disaster but at the same time he was I believe 33 years old at the time he was really young probably walked into it a little too early made a lot of mistakes but at the same time he's he's older now he seems to have matured based from based from what people have said about him and you know his quarterbacks love him and that's the key thing with me he's easily one of the best offensive minds in the NFL today and it's been that way for a decade And I think he would be absolutely perfect for Justin Fields because he'd know how to, you know, acquiesce to his strengths. He'd know how to mold him into a better pocket passer. And I think Fields would become an absolute superstar under McDaniel's uh, watch, which is what the Bears really need to shoot for. I understand you need to worry about the entire team, but I think McDaniel's proved before he sort of bowed out with the situation in uh, Indianapolis that he knows how to hire a good staff because he's the one who hired Matt Eberflus yeah. to go to Indianapolis, who's become a rock star defensive coordinator in the league over the past couple of years. So he knows how to build a staff and he's been able to learn under, you know, an all time head coach and Bill Belichick for a number of years. And I think he sort of learned from that first experience as well. So right now, my number one is uh, Josh McDaniels.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's a, it's an interesting choice because I Uh, And and I'm on board with that. I honestly am. Uh, You know, if you asked me that three years ago and going into 2018, you know, would Josh McDaniels ever get another shot after the way he left uh, Indy at the altar? Uh, The Mm -hmm. way that he did, you know, like the day that he's supposed to come into town for his hiring press conference, he, you know, he and Robert Kraft uh, make a deal that, uh, you you're just going to be the highest paid offensive assistant coach in, in, in all of football if you stay here in Indianapolis or Bill's going to retire in a year or two. So you'll be the next head coach of the new England Patriots. Wink, wink, uh, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, I was like, no, no one's ever going to touch this guy with a 10 foot pole. And then you see what he's been able to do, uh, you know, over the years and, and, uh, and everything. And I just hope that, uh, that, that he maintains that, uh, that adjustment to the situation style. Cause that's one of the things that I've always marveled at with, with with, uh, with New England and Belichick, mm-hmm. and, you know, if if we're going, like, well, I mean, just look at this past, this month, a month ago. They're in Buffalo, like right. typhoon-like winds out there. It's like, okay, so we're not going to be able to throw the ball, so we're just going to run, and they literally threw three pa- They attempted three passes in the game, went down there to Buffalo and whooped the tar out of the Bills in their own house by running the football for 250-something yards and, and winning the, the game down there. Nagy would have been out there trying to throw passes into a forty mile an hour win because that's his offense, not what the situation calls for.
0: Exactly. And that's one of the strengths of Belichick and it's become one of the strengths of uh, of McDaniels. He's learned how to, you know, adapt his system. I mean you people talk about Mac Jones and that's absolutely something that deserves praise. But I I look at the last year with Cam Newton, Cam Newton, you know, can't throw the ball anymore. And that was, and it's been proven over the past couple of years, but McDaniels was able to adapt the offense and still get 12 rushing touchdowns out of Cam. And in addition to another eight, you know, through the air. So he found a way to make the offense productive, even though the quarterback was limited in what he could do. He he moved to the strengths of what Cam was good at, which was using his legs and using that big body to put it in the end zone. So th- th- that speaks to what he's been able to do over the course of most of his career.
1: Yeah, players, not plays. He's going to mold his offense to what his offense can do, as opposed to trying to fit the square peg in the round hole, uh, which exactly. is what Nagy's been beating his head against the wall trying to do for the last four seasons.
0: So. Yep. And, you know, it, it all comes back to the question of leadership. Can he be the leader in the locker room that you're looking for? If you believe he can, then he's absolutely the hire you want because of what he can do for Justin. Right. Yep.
1: <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D E E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 PM central, eight o'clock Eastern. You can join me on the Spotify green room for club 34, seven, come in. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk bears. Let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify green room anywhere you get your apps. <coughs> so who else we got on the list is, is I know you, you mentioned Matt uh, Eber Who else you got?
0: Uh, Eberfuss is my number three. My number two is actually Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator for the Packers. Oh. Okay. Um, he, he is a fascinating guy. I've read up on him quite a bit and he sounds like a guy with the personality that you look for in a head coach, somebody who can you know, motivate the players. I mean, players love him, but at the same time he has that ability to earn their respect, both through discipline and other factors. He's a good game planner from everything I've heard. And he's works really well with quarterbacks. I mean, he he somehow got Blake Bortles to an AFC championship in 2017. And I think Aaron Rodgers is poised to win his second straight MVP with him as his offensive coordinator. So you really have to factor that in as well. And it sounds like he's a leader. It sounds like he knows how to build a good program. And it sounds like he can hold a locker room with pretty much ease because he's got a quirky personality. But at the same time, he's got a terrific brain for the game. So, you know, he's somebody I've sort of been keeping my eye on for a while now. And, you know, hearing all that I've heard recently, I'm even more convinced that, you know, he can do the job. Would he be a
1: guy that uh, would take the umbrage of being a head coach as his opportunity to call his own plays because Matt LaFleur is the play caller in, in green Bay. So he's an offensive coordinator that has a, a heavy hand in, in getting the team ready and putting the plan together, but come, come kickoff. It's uh, somebody else that's calling the, the plays. That's the actual offensive coordinator, if you will, uh, when, when the ball is, is kicked off. Do you think that he would try to, you know uh, you know, Don his genius on us all by calling his own plays or would he, hire his own offensive coordinator and, you know, game plan with him kind of thing.
0: I don't think he has that sort of ego to where he thinks it has to be him calling plays. He will call plays if he feels, you know, it's it's necessary. Sure. But at the same time, he's had his success by not calling plays. Most of the time he's been a coordinator. So I think if he feels he hires a coordinator that can do the job without him having to, he'll he'll absolutely acquiesce. That that responsibility to that coordinator and just run the football team, you know, the sort of the way he's run the offense for the Packers, he lets Lafleur do his thing as the play caller, and he just sort of arranges everything else and does it really well.
1: Well, that sounds fantastic to me, <laughs> as opposed to the guy who's taking it as his, you know, moment in the sun to to show off his genius to the rest of the world, because we uh, we just went through four years of that and it didn't work out, so. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially somebody who basically had play calling ripped out of his cold dead hands. uh, You know, when it was obvious that it wasn't working for far longer uh, than it, uh, you know, like he should have given it up far sooner than he did. Um, But uh, anyway, we're talking about the future, not the past anymore. Uh, uh, Who else we got?
0: Uh, The fourth one is uh, Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator in in, uh, Baltimore. I, I mean, you're learning under John Harbaugh, who's one of my favorite coaches in the NFL by a wide margin. I've been a huge fan of his for years. He's terrific at adapting to talent year after year after year. I mean, the way they went from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson was just absolutely amazing to me. And, you know, Roman has been a consistently great offensive coordinator for years. He did wonders with Alex Smith and and Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco. He turned Tyrod Taylor into a pro bowler in Buffalo. And now he's made Lamar Jackson into an MVP. So he would understand how to work to the strengths of his quarterback. And with Justin who I think is every bit as athletic as those other guys I mentioned, but is a better passer than all of them in terms of pure arm talent. I can, you can just drool over the possibilities, especially with the backfield that the bears have in Montgomery and Herbert and the running game that they could put together with Roman. Who's had like number one running games, pretty much his entire tenure as an offensive coordinator. So from that side of things, I'm absolutely certain that the bears would have to have success and the question obviously that you have is can he be a leader? And it's the same thing with Hackett and everybody else, but you know, he's learned under some really good coaches, Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh. He understands the leadership requirements of the head coaching position. And, you know, he's he's waited long enough. He's he's due for his opportunity. And I think, you know, He'd fit Chicago so well because he his style of offense and you know approach really fit chicago hard nosed, tough, that sort of thing. So I think they'd really love him here. And I really think he'd do great things with Justin,
1: yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing about you know, looking forward to uh, next season is you know, getting getting out of Nagy isn't necessarily addition by subtraction. It really does depend on who it is that we bring in. Uh, mm-hmm. To uh, you know, run the run the football team. Will he be the the leader that Nagy was? Because that's actually going to be something that our next guy has to live up to. Is can he hold the locker room the way that Nagy has? Because watching the game against Seattle on Sunday, it's clear these guys haven't given up on the season, right. and that's all on Nagy. But you know, it's it's everything else the the, the you know the personnel uh, decisions, how they're running the offense, the fact that they would not adjust and. You know, let the game come to them, and 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 what have you is just uh, what's been the most frustrating part about how Nagy was like once eight twenty eighteen was uh, over. Uh, the NFL figured him out, and he did not adjust whatsoever in that uh, in the time since.
0: Exactly, it's it's all about finding the happy medium between those two—a guy who can be a leader and who can also make the game plans, adjust, do all those things. It's hard to find. It's the same as quarterbacks. It's really difficult to find a really good head coach. Yeah.
1: All right so what we're we, number 4 now number 3 number 5
0: uh, that was number four. So okay. my fifth and final one might be a bit of a surprise to some people, but I, I'd i be looking at Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator in Los Angeles. You know, he's proven that he can be a solid coordinator over the past couple of years, but really what impressed me the most about him was what he did in his first stint as a head coach in Tampa Bay. I mean, if you can get a 10 and six season out of Josh Freeman as your quarterback, I consider that a, you know, a pretty impressive accomplishment. Sure. They had some yeah. raw, they had, they had some raw, issues down there in Tampa, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to survive you know his third year there. But I really think he's got that leadership intangible that you look for. He's proven it from how he handled that Tampa situation, how he speaks to the media. I've seen a lot of his interviews. I'm very impressed with him, and I think he's, he deserves another shot as a head coach, especially when you look at the disaster that Atlanta was last year, starting 0 and 5 and looking completely lost. He took over as interim head coach and they started to win, you know, more games. I think he led them to like a 4 and 4 and 5 record or something like that. So that was a pretty decent turnaround considering what they were going through. I think he's going to be a head coach again and I think he'd fit Chicago pretty well with his mentality. So, you know, if if other Guys just don't seem to hit right. If you're looking for a leader and looking for somebody who can, you know, probably get more out of your roster than you think, I think you should look at Morris.
1: And I think that's something else that the Bears should also be looking at as well. Cause that was one of the things that just made me absolutely sick over the Bears choosing um, Tressman over Arians, was that yeah. Arians ended up going to Arizona with a far less talented roster than the one that Tressman inherited in Chicago got the Cardinals 10 and six and almost went to the playoffs that first year. And then 2014, he does go to the playoffs and he's, you know, he's revived Carson Palmer and, uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald continues to be a genius. And, uh, you know, hiring Todd Bowles and and that defense becoming a force uh, of its own was that, you know, imagine what Arians could have done in Chicago. Uh, You know, would the defense have gotten awful and old overnight the way it did You know, going to premium top five, just outstanding defensive touchdown machine unit in 2012 to being a goddamn swinging gate in 2013 that nullified the offense that Tressman brought to
0: Chicago. No question. I mean, it's. It's one of those biggest what ifs in Bears history. What what, what what would what would have happened had they hired Trustman? You you also have to think what would have happened with Jay Cutler. Would his career have finished differently if he had had Arians, you know, in charge? Because Arians, I felt his philosophy would have fit Cutler so well because Arians likes to throw deep. Jay was a great deep thrower with that big arm of his. I think they would have meshed pretty well, and you know maybe he would have extended his career a bit longer, and the Bears might have had some more success over the past decade. But unfortunately, we'll never know.
1: I mean, and and it, and I was just watching the football after show after the Seahawks game, and Briggs told the story that um, you know the the Bears came to Rod Marinelli, they wanted him to stay as defensive coordinator, and they had three f- coaching candidates. He listed Arians as one, Tressman as three. They hired Tressman. He quit the next day. So mm-hmm. we could have held on to Marinelli. We could have had some continuity on the defensive side with Arians coming into town I mean Arians thought the job was his he was planning on coming to Chicago and then they pulled right. out the rug and 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 hired Tressman instead which like I I at the time I was just I was absolutely just devastated over that's like how that I mean it
0: was it was so unfortunate because he was the reigning coach of the year He's yeah. proven everything you could possibly prove to get a head coaching job of your own and they still went with a guy who hadn't been in the NFL since 2004 so you get what you pay for yeah
1: you got a couple of gray cups under your belt the Bears will come calling I guess <laughs> so amen to that let's talk about some fantasy candidates you mentioned Sean Payton also you know seems to be on the radar and and uh, you know. You mentioned John Harbaugh as well. Things are looking kind of rough in Baltimore. Mike Tomlin, even though he hasn't Mm -hmm. had a losing season, he still hasn't had one uh, in Pittsburgh. He's already been there for 16 years. I mean, these guys, these are also kind of like fantasy guys that the Bears would be crazy not to go after if they became available, correct?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, any one of those guys, if you can get him, you hire him immediately. Tomlin hasn't had a losing season in his entire career at Pittsburgh, which is why I probably don't think they're going to fire him. They just, I think they need a new quarterback is what they need because yeah. I think Ben Roethlisberger is done. So they got to get that situation figured out. John Harbaugh, you know, it's funny. It's sort of teetered from time to time where it felt like Baltimore might be considering a change, but he always seems to pull things out and, you know, just keep his job and continue to roll. But, you know, I think maybe ownership is getting a little impatient, not, you know, getting further in the playoffs. And it's really not Harbaugh's fault because the team is just, Devastated by injuries this year So you have to take that into account But you you just don't know with situations Like this I think Peyton Might be the most gettable Because you know he's been There a long time they have no quarterback And now you also have to Think about their salary cap situation It's an absolute mess they're going to have to sort through That and and, you know does he really want To go through that in addition to probably having To rebuild around the quarterback position Whereas the Bears could sort of You know angle Justin Fields and the fact he'd be coming home to Chicago a place where he sort of grew up around you know it, it's a pretty tantalizing idea but you know the contract is an issue does he really want to leave New Orleans we just don't know a lot of those things so I imagine the Bears should and probably will send out floaters to those guys and maybe others saying listen if you're interested in leaving we're interested in high and yen we'll hiring you and we'll probably pay you whatever you want to get you here so yeah. as well they should because you should reach out to those guys because you never know the worst thing they can say is say no right. and, if, and you never you never know they might say yeah i'm interested let's see if we can make this happen and all of a sudden boom you've got a you know a proven coach all of whom have won super, have won at least one super bowl so you know you have to do whatever you can to get the best possible candidate.
1: And what is the situation with Peyton? Is he somebody we can get free and clear? Or would he have to send draft picks to New Orleans to settle up? Because it's not like college football where a guy can be like, you know what? I quit. I'm going to LSU or I'm going to Oregon or, you know, or what have you. uh, When you still have a coach in the building uh, kind of thing. Would we have to give up assets to settle up with New Orleans? Or could he resign and become the Bears head coach? Or is his contract coming up out there?
0: Uh, No, he signed an extension like a year or two ago. So that the contract is probably not something he can just resign out of. He can ask out of it and maybe they can give him grant him that, which you just don't know. But if the organization is going to hold him to his contract, then it would have to probably have to be a trade, which then complicates things because the bears don't really have a lot of you know, capital yeah. to work with because of the trade for Justin Fields, you know, in April. So that's going to complicate things if he can't get out of his contract. Even if he does want to come, the Bears would have to trade for him, and that would be expensive.
1: Yeah, because that was something one of my uh, followers on Twitter asked me today. I was like, what do you think about us getting Peyton And You know, he mentioned there's $60 million over the cap for 2022 and, you know, the quarterback situation and blah, blah, blah. It's like he basically he'd be starting over in either spot, whether it be Chicago or Chicago or New Orleans, and which situation looks better to you right now, I would argue that it probably is Chicago right now, mm-hmm. especially because of Justin Fields. Uh, like, but and, and I'd be all for it if we could get him free and clear. I am absolutely pounding the table for that. Like, I will burn Hallis sure. Hall to the ground if Sean Payton yeah. is available and we don't even talk to him uh, kind of, sure. because that would be so bears to do that. For him to be out there without a job. And the Bears like, meh. We'd like to go with someone who's going to do what they tell him. As opposed to hiring a guy that's going to want to do his own thing. Uh, kind of You're thing. Right. Just some of the most foolish reasons. Which is probably why we didn't hire Arians. He's such a headstrong kind of guy. They figured it'd be like hiring Ditka all over again. And mm-hmm. boy did Ditka money to the waters, man. Because there's some. <laughs> imagine some of the coaches we could have had. If they weren't worried about hiring another Ditka-like guy. That they're going to have to fight with uh day in uh and day out but uh you know it, it would be so bears for Peyton to be out there and and for us to be like meh we'll talk to this other guy that's yeah. never coached a day in his life and doesn't have anywhere near the resume of this other guy who would absolutely love to be here never mind him
0: right exactly and I I think the Bears are more open to just about anybody at this point because of what's been going on over the past decade they just really want to win at this point so I don't think the you know the big personality scares them as much as it used to because Ditka did leave a scar on them because of all the you know the controversies and whatnot, and you know it sort of shied them away from guys like that but you know I do believe they're open to something like that. I don't think Peyton would be somebody that scares them at all. From what I understand, the Bears are searching or pre- preferring somebody with proven experience if mm-hmm. they can get them because they want somebody who has a good track record, who's not somebody they have to shoot in the dark with like a naggy. So if they can get somebody like that, I imagine Sean Peyton would be far and away the top guy on their list. Absolutely.
1: Well, Eric, I know you're short on time. I appreciate you uh, coming on and, and helping us talk through this and who we could possibly be uh, introducing uh, to the to the world as our as our next uh, head coach, or as many will, of us will probably look at him as to be the savior of the franchise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just like, you know, anybody who isn't Matt Nagy would probably be looked upon favorably these days. And, yeah. you know, for all of his, uh, you know, for all of his, uh, you know, for all for all that he is, as far as being a good guy, I don't think any would argue that uh, Matt Nagy is not a, you know, a solid dude uh, or anything like that. It just hasn't worked out here uh, in Chicago. It's time to, uh, uh, time to move on. And many would argue a year too late uh, right. as far as, uh, as far as that goes as well. So, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you coming back on and uh, look forward to having you on maybe over in the, in the off season to uh, talk about, uh you know, did we make the right choice and, uh, you know, where did he rank on the list and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Where can we uh, keep up with you in the meantime?
0: You can keep up with me at Eric Lambert one on Twitter. I also publish articles all the time for sports mockery.com. Feel free to check both of those out. You'll probably see me posting all the time.
1: And, uh, you know, Eric has the patience of a saint because for some reason he will respond quite often uh, depend. <laughs> no matter what your opinion is, no matter if it's relevant or absolutely batshit crazy, he will respond uh, to you. Sometimes I wonder why you do that, Eric. But maybe you're just entertaining. So do yourself. I. So do I, Larry. You know. <laughs> but thanks so much for being on the show, man. We'll talk to you again real soon. It was a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. As always, I want to thank my guest, Eric Lambert, for coming on the show to help us uh, kind of uh, preview our coaching search, uh, if you will, and who the relevant candidates uh, are. I think every one of those guys would be an interesting uh, choice uh, for the Bears. And uh, I, I like, um, you know, three years ago, I wouldn't imagine or four years ago, I wouldn't imagine saying that Josh McDaniels would even be on my radar. You know, but um, the guy has definitely turned things around uh, in in New England. Uh, he, I guess, he's he's um, won back the uh, the the poor. Uh, well, what is with me in words today? Uh, you know, the the bad karma that he put out there by walking away from Indianapolis at the eleventh hour uh, and whatnot is uh, you know done his time in New England. They've been successful. Out there, I believe they did win at least one Super Bowl, um, maybe even two. I know they played in at least two. But uh, you know, helping a uh, uh, Brady uh, just before he left, and then you you know you heard mention, Eric mentioned with uh, you know what he was able to pull out of Cam Newton last season, and, and the work that he's done with uh, Mac Jones. And the other thing that I forgot to mention was, uh, you know, an an article that came out, I believe it was last week, that Eric wrote about how, you know, apparently McDaniels is a huge fan of Justin Fields. So there – because there are some people out there having concerns that, uh, you know, I think it became obvious that um, Nagy wasn't exactly the biggest Mitch Trubisky fan. He just wanted to be a head coach and thought that he could help uh, Trubisky. Um, And it was kind of always, you know, not – Trubisky wasn't his guy – And I think that it's important that uh, McDaniels is kind of head over heels for Fields, because I think that would eliminate any of the doubt or worry that, uh, you know, if things don't work out right away, we're going to have to hit the reset button and, you know, send Justin Fields elsewhere or or what have you and start over with a brand new uh, quarterback. He wants to hit the ground running uh, with Justin Fields, um, which, you know, was probably a a, a, a tad bit smaller, but uh, is, uh, just as athletic, if not more, and a better passer than, than he worked with with Cam Newton last season. And um, for all of uh, everything, that the, for all the qualities of Mac Jones uh, and everything, if, if he had a shred of Justin Fields' athleticism, or, or God forbid, if the Bears can't make the trade and move up and it's Fields or Jones sitting at uh, 15 when the Patriots are picking, I I would not see a reason why they wouldn't take fields, and God only knows the season he'd be having in New England right now with a solid running game. I mean, granted, we've got a solid running game, but a, a more dependable offensive line because that is one of the major reasons Mac Jones has been so successful this year is that that offensive line has kept him upright and given him the time to make his reads and make his throws and be able to step in to the throws to make his, you know, because one of the things that that was one of the great traits of – Mac Jones coming out of college was his accuracy. He doesn't have, a, you know, a huge arm that's going to hit balls 50, 60 yards downfield and and things like that, but he will put it uh on a point if he needs to. And uh, imagine what Justin Fields would have been able to do behind that offensive line with an offensive coordinator who's going to adjust the offense to what he does best. So, you know, I think that we as Bear fans, that's all we want is somebody who's going to come in and adjust his system to his talent as opposed to trying to wedge his talent into his system. And, um, you know, I, I like the choice of uh, Josh McDaniels. Um, I, I love the choice of Iberflus, the defensive coordinator. And uh, one thing I didn't mention when I was talking to Eric was I think Bear fans would actually be more amenable to a defensive coach. So like a Mike Tomlin, like a John Harbaugh, who was a special teams Guy like a, uh, you know, like he mentioned Raheem Morris and Matt Ibeflus from from the Colts because he would bring in an offensive coordinator and our head coach could worry about coaching the team, coaching the coaches, running the team as opposed to being worried about what play call is being put out there. We would have a head coach who would probably be involved because he's the head coach, but would not be, you know, up to his ears. Uh, in offensive play calling or or game planning or or anything like that. I think hiring a defensive coach just based off of the Nagy experience would be something that most Bear fans would be in favor of. So there's that. But, um, you know, it was an interesting list that he put out there. And then, like I said, the fantasy people like Sean Payton, John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, the Bears would be foolish not to jump all over that if that became a realistic option for any one of those guys, for any of them. Harbaugh, Tomlin, Payton, do whatever you got to do. Just, you know, hand them a blank check. Tell them how much. How much do you want? We'll pay you. And, you know, come here and coach my team and, uh, you know, make us successful. Do what you've been doing. Because every one of those guys, all three of them have, A, won at least one Super Bowl. Um, The, um, and... They've also had long term success with their teams. Mike Tomlin has not had a losing season in sixteen seasons in Pittsburgh. Uh, John Harbaugh, I think, maybe has had one or two, but he's had way more success than uh, you know losing seasons out there. And same thing with uh, with with Peyton. You know, I, I think the the thing that's kind of uh, marred Peyton down there in in New Orleans is that his offenses have always been fantastic. Um, he's a offensive minded genius, uh, just the, the things that he comes up with and how he puts his players in the best situation, uh, and things like that. Not to mention, you know, the, the two things that had reigned supreme in new Orleans up until this season where it was breeze and it was Peyton, the two of them together, arm in arm. And the cast of characters around them from their running backs to the wide receivers, their offensive lines has changed year in and year out. But because those two were there together and the offensive system that they, you know, uh, managed uh, with one another, they always had success uh, in New Orleans. They never had a bad offense while they were out there. It was more about trying to find a happy medium with the defense uh, more so than anything else. So, that's where it would be very important as to who Peyton would bring in as his defensive uh, coordinator, and also who he's paired up with as his defensive coordinator, making sure that we're bringing the right guys in to stabilize that side of the of the ball. That would really be like my only fear uh, with Peyton is that with the offense and Drew Brees, they probably should have gone to and won more uh, Super Bowls than they did while while you know Brees was out there, but. You know, the defense being what it is at times, or what it was, I should say, um, the one year that they were able to put it all together in 2009, they won the Super Bowl. So, wouldn't that be something to see in Chicago? So, but of course, Tomlin and, and Harbaugh, those guys are also just studs. We'd be we'd be lucky to have them if we could wrangle them away from their current teams. So, anyway, guys, uh, coming back tomorrow for the uh, deep dive preview, we will dive into uh, news and notes keys to the game uh, and everything Get you ready for Bears Giants on Sunday, the home finale for our beloved Chicago Bears. Uh, and I changed my mind. Uh, I figured that uh, you know that little that the clip uh, from my first interview with uh, with Jeff Dickerson. I figured I'd play it now. That'll be kind of our little closing uh, segment to uh, close out the show. And uh, this is me and uh, Jeff Dickerson. From July of 2015, our, our our we were I was having him on to preview the 2015 Bears' new head coach, new uh, general manager Ryan Pace, John Fox, uh, and what have you. But this was the uh, I had a little tidbit of a story that I wanted to share with Jeff, a kind of uh, small world uh, type story about how Jeff and I had crossed paths once before uh, earlier uh, in life, and a, a unique situation uh, is what it was. So. We're going to close with that. Come on back tomorrow for the deep dive preview to get you ready for Bears-Giants on Sunday. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. See you tomorrow. Okay, and here we are at long last. Jeff Dickerson from ESPN and uh, ESPN Chicago, ESPN 1000. The uh, Jay Hood and Dickerson show, is that what it's called, Jeff?
2: It's uh, Dickerson and Hood, actually. That's only, right. o- only last names they give us, no first names. They right. try to make it easier that way so even we won't forget it, the showtime. Right.
1: Well, welcome to the Chicago Bears Review. It's a big thrill of mine to have you uh, on the show and um, here to talk about our beloved uh, Chicago Bears. But before we get to that, I-, I promised you in the email when we were going back and forth, I have an interesting story about how our paths crossed one time before, um, and I think that you'll enjoy this. Uh, okay. I, was doing, I was doing some research on you, kind of getting the background on Jeff Dickerson before ESPN, and I found an article from the Daily Herald uh, last fall, I think, September of last year, kind of did a profile piece on you, and it mentioned that, that you were a uh, graduate of Buffalo Grove High School, class of 96. Correct. Okay. And you played football, baseball, and basketball there as well? Yes. Okay. Okay. I, too, am also a graduate of the class of 96, but I went to Evanston High School.
2: Oh, boy. Right. I know where this is going.
1: <laughs> Week you, one don't to, of,
2: you don't even have to go too far, Larry. I know, I know right. where this one is going, sadly.
1: Well, so I'll help everyone else out then. Week one of the 1995 season, which would be our senior season, yeah. Buffalo Grove came to Evanston High School, and we played each other in that football game that unfortunately did not turn out too well for the Bison of Buffalo Grove uh, that day. So
2: Yes, I remember a, I remember a very a very hot day. Yes. I remember that. Uh, I remember I was uh, trying to bring a young sophomore along with punt return, um, and they had two punt return guys back, and we had a bad miscommunication on a punt return early in the second half and then I had to walk back to the huddle after we turned the ball over and look at all the guys on defense who were basically dying of heat stroke, 95 degrees, being like, well, guys, sorry. You have to have another series on here, I guess, in a row because of me. So, yes, yeah, that, that was a uh, uh, less than memorable moment for us uh, in high school. But that that's so funny because, <laughs> you yeah, know, that, that was a bad day for us. Great day for Evanston, but bad day for Buffalo Grove.
1: Uh, yes, indeed, especially since our, our victory was like, cover of preps plus the next day on the Sun Times. I still have the clippings of our color photos and everything and then in the in the newspaper. I also have the scouting report that our coach used to make for us and yeah. I found you on the roster. Jeff Dickerson number forty six so <laughs>
2: did, did it have any notes with it or just the name?
1: Nope, just Jeff Dickerson six one one eighty defensive back is what it had you listed as on the uh on the roster sure. there. So that is correct. Yeah, just thought that That's I funny. would uh, bring that up to say once, here we are talking about football, and once before, we shared the gridiron at Evanston Memorial Stadium way back when, so almost 20 yes. years ago. Can you believe that, 20 I years I can't
2: ago? believe it. Let's hope the Bears this year look more like Evanston that day and a lot less yes. like Buffalo
1: Grove. Yes. 35-7, the final score for anyone who is interested, just putting that out there. Sorry, Jeff. So okay. Man, I remember. I remember. <laughs> yes. So, um... Speaking of, up okay.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders.